Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Pete Waltz. Well, today's a special day. It's Tuesday, and on the Employment Matters podcast, that means Travel Tuesday, where each Tuesday we get a chance to dial in our local members around the world who share with us important things we need to know about doing business in their jurisdiction. Today, we're going down south to Uruguay and learn more about doing business there. So excited to have our friends from Who's and Who's on the line, Enrique Radmilovich, the head of the employment practice, and his associate, Rafael Sanganetti, have joined us today. Gentlemen, how are you today? Hi, Pete. Nice to be with you today. Hi, Pete. Fine, thank you. It's a great opportunity to talk about Uruguay and all its possibilities. So we are very happy to be here. Yes, let's do that. I have been down to your country before. Beautiful place across the big river from Buenos Aires. A fantastic place. But I'm sure our listeners would love to hear more. So, Enrique, why don't you kick us off and give us a general overview of your jurisdiction? Tell us about the economy, the demographics, maybe the population, things like that, if you would. Well, Uruguay is a a small country, but it's strategically located between Brazil and Argentina. We have a small population also. We have three and a half million people living here. Uruguay is divided in what we call 19 departments, like states. If we do a comparison with the United States, 19 states. And Montevideo is the capital of the country. Most of the population, we are descendants from European immigrants, uh, mainly from Spain and Italy. We do not have a native population. And African-American population is small. It is not very representative of the, the, the total of the population. Mainly Uruguay, according to the, the geography, its main uh, activities have to do with the agriculture, forestry, livestock. And during the last decades, we had an important increase in certain industries, such as the construction industries, the tourist industry. And also we have been developing all what has to do with the tech industry. We have some companies that are doing business in our country, big companies, and we export technology to the world. So mainly, mainly that's the, the composition Uruguay. The government, we have three branches. Uruguay is a republic. We have the executive power, the legislative power, and the judicial power. It is important to state that in comparison with other countries in Latin America, we are proud to say that Uruguay has an independent judicial power. That's very important for us because Uruguay is a country that respects the rule of law, and that's what gives attraction to a country for foreign investments. So Enrique, thanks for that overview on the jurisdiction. We covered a lot of important stuff there. And uh, Rafael, I'd like to go to you now talking about key issues that employers need to know when they're employing locally in Uruguay, things like works councils or unions. Can you give us an overview of that, Rafael? Yes, obviously. As Enrique already mentioned, the key industries in Uruguay are vast. There's agriculture, livestock, afforestation. Also, we have a commerce, construction, tourism, tech industry. And for anyone who wants to come to Uruguay to employ locally, I think the key structural issues they should consider are taxes in the first place. 
The salaries in Uruguay are taxed by social security contribution under such tax like personal income. Within the social security contributions, you can find retirement purposes, health, illness, illness insurance, labor reconversion and guarantee funds for labor credits. Also, regarding the, the trade unions, you, you mentioned in your question, Uruguay legal system recognizes and admits syndical plurality. Nevertheless, the trade union movement is centralized and in a nationwide organization that is called PITCNT. With exception of a few unions which are not members of the PITCNT, all the other unions are centralized there. The main rules applicable to the collective labor relationships in Uruguay are the guarantee to, to organize and join unions and to go on strike, the syndical freedom, the collective bargaining system that created the uh, Consejo Superior Tripartito, uh, that regulates the system for the different groups of activity and regular and also the two-party agreement, the bipartito, that regulates the way to prevent and solve collective conflict. So I believe that are the, the main aspects to, to take into account in Uruguay. Also, there are termination and dismissal issues that in Uruguay, when an employer decides to end a labor relation by dismissal, the, the employee must receive compensation, except in the case of notorious misbehavior. In all the other cases, the employer must compensate the employee and in general terms, the compensation for dismissal is equivalent to a, a monthly salary for e each year or fraction works, and it's up to a maximum of six years. That's great. So Enrique, let's go back to you. It sounds like there's certainly some structure and a very deliberate approach to how businesses manage there, but yet, you know, we've also got a strong union presence. So in your opinion, what would you say the general business climate of Uruguay is? Is it pro-business towards the employer or is it more pro-employee? Which way does it lean in your opinion, Enrique? Generally speaking, I understand that Uruguay is a pro-business country. Um, despite that, um, since 2005, 2020, we had three left-wing government, consecutive left-wing government ruling in the country. And some changes occurred, especially in what has to do with uh, labor relations, and especially many laws were passed in order to favor the, the employees. Uruguay, I understand that it never left to be a, a pro-business country, especially if we compare Uruguay with the rest of the countries in the region. You see what happens in Argentina, or, may, or what happens in Bolivia, or what happens in, in Brazil. And Uruguay is a much stable country. It's much easier to come to our country and create an industry and start working in industry here. For example, it's much easier to hire an employee in Uruguay. You don't need no formalities. For example, you don't need a written contract. It's much easier to dismiss an employee in our country you can freely dismiss an employee. We do not need to dismiss with cause or without cause. You can do that. The problem that we had to face during the last 15 years is that too much power was given to the unions. And so this government, this last government that started ruling our country in 2020, is much more center, not right, but center ideologically speaking has tried to manage certain rights that were granted to the unions in order to 
restore the balance that was lost between the unions and the companies. Because during the last 15 years, the government, the left-wing government that ruled in our country, understood that the occupation of the premises by the unions, the working premises, no? And the pickets, in order to avoid other employees to enter the premises to work, were an extension of the right to strike. So when the occupations or the pickets occurred, the government did nothing to disoccupy or dissolve the pickets. And that gave the companies some extra problems because in order to obtain the occupation of the premises or the dissolution of the pickets, the companies had to file complaints before the courts in order to obtain that rulings. Nowadays, with this new government, things have changed since the government has passed a, a recent law that states that summarizing, it is forbidden to occupy the premises and to do pickets. In that cases, the police will participate actively in order to dissolve the same. So the companies do not have to go to the, to the courts in order to obtain a favorable resolution, in order to, to have the companies liberated by the occupants or by the pickets. That's a good sign that the government has, has provided, especially to the world, no? to those who are planning to do some business in Uruguay. So in that sense, it's a good, something good that's happening, although we have a, a little problem, that's the tricky part, because the opposition party, the left-wing party, and the unions have promoted what we call a referendum uh, in order to repeal uh, many articles of a law. And within those articles that are proposed to be repealed, is this article that granted the government the right to dissolve the picket or disoccupy the companies. So in the 27th of March of this year, we will be having a, a, a referendum, we will be voting, okay? And uh, well, the majority will decide whether to maintain those articles in place or to, to eliminate them. And well, we will be going back We'll be having a setback and we're going back to what happened during the last 15 years. I feel optimistic. I feel optimistic. I believe that the majority will decide to maintain those articles. So in that sense, the current situation in which the police dissolve the picket or disoccupy the companies will be maintained. Well, that's good news. And I think what we'll do is check back with you later in the spring to see how that's impacted. I got one final question I'd like to ask Rafael, and it's really about cross-border opportunities coming to Uruguay. I think that uh, Enrique mentioned it's easier to get in and out of the country, especially given some of the restrictions elsewhere. But can you give us a sense quickly what the immigration standards are like, Rafael, in Uruguay? Yeah. Uruguay is a country that is always willing to accept cross-border business opportunities from countries in the region, as we already mentioned, but also from, from countries abroad. Immigration standards for Europe are, are not hard, and almost all foreigners can coming from Western countries can enter into Uruguay without the need of, of a visa or anything. 
there are five categories of, of residents to be taken in consideration in Uruguay. This depends on on what wants the, the foreigner to come here to. There is a temporary work permit that is for those people that want to enter here for less than six months. Then there is a temporary residence permit that it's easier to for those people for from the Mercosur, but there is also one for people that are not from the Mercosur that can get it. That it's for two years, up to two years, and that's why it's uh, temporary. And then there's the definitive residence permit. That there are also two categories: one from Mercosur and another one for non-Mercosur people. But any of them are not very hard to to obtain. And they, when you have the definitive residence permit, you can you can have it for the time you want. It's at first for three years, but then you can renew it for three years more and and like that to stay here the time you you want to stay. Well, that's interesting. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm wondering about vacation property in Uruguay. Enrique, I'll have you maybe look for something for me. It sounds like a wonderful place to be and a yeah. wonderful place to work. So guys, I really appreciated the candor this morning and I hope all is well with you and your families. So thanks again for your discussion today. Thank you, Pete. A pleasure. Thank you. If you'd like to connect with Enrique and Rafael, you can find their bios by clicking on their names in the description of this podcast. To find any of our ELA lawyers around the world, just visit the ELA website. On the website, you can also receive invitations to upcoming webinars, download white papers, get access to on-demand content from our online library, or use the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Pete Waltz. Thanks so much for listening.